Why is it so much better? Like one hour. Well, they should, I don't know. It was great. It was heaven. This morning we're talking about heaven, so thankfully we got that extra hour of sleep. And uh, my name is Sven, and my wife Amber is there. And, uh, and uh, I have a seven-year-old son, Tenzin, and a four-and-a-half-year-old daughter. And this is uh, Pastor Jason, who invited me to preach this morning. Super thankful to get a chance to, uh, to be here with you guys. And uh, I, I always see all those kids during the kids, the, like the kids' sermon, the kids' talk thing. And I'm, I always go, oh, I'm so happy. I, it's like such a cool thing that my kids get to grow up with all your guys' kids. And uh, appreciate that a lot. We've been, um, we've been living here a year and a half. We're from Fort Collins, Colorado. And little by little, I'm, I'm, I'm calling, I've loved Washington forever, but I don't know at what point you're allowed to just be like, I'm from Washington. And so I'm always trying to do things to make me more Washington-ish. Um, I, I even wore my uh, Sub Pop t-shirt in the, in the rain this morning. You know, the, the Nirvana record label uh, from the early 90s. I'm, and I, I'm just, I'm trying hard, people. I'm really trying to be a Washington person and, and because we love it here so much and we're, we're so thankful to get to, get to live here. We've been, we've been in the Apostles' Creed now for a, a number of weeks and uh, here on Sunday at Christ the King, Sudden Valley Community Church. It's Christ the King Community Church, Sudden Valley. That's what it is. And, uh, and uh, it's, been, it's been amazing to get a chance to look at these, these foundational truths, these gigantic truths. And, uh, and to be completely honest, the first time I ever saw the Apostles' Creed, this is kind of a little bit embarrassing, um, I didn't grow up in a part of Christianity where they had a lot of creeds. Um, I didn't grow up in like around Christianity with written prayers or anything like that. And so I remember the first time I saw the Apostles' Creed was actually, remember when suddenly every church had to get a website? It was like, well, every church needs a website. And churches are like hurrying up and getting a website. And if you were in a non-denominational church and you didn't have like a denomination to tell you what your core beliefs were, you suddenly, like the random tech guy would be like, what do we put in the we believe section? Like in your church website, we're like a denomination, non-denominational Christian church. What do we, and they'd be like, oh, for hundreds of years, Christians have used the Apostles' Creed. Let's put that on the website. <laughs> and so that's embarrassing. But the first time I ever saw the Apostles' Creed was on a, was on a church website. I was like, oh, that's really good. wonder who wrote that. <laughs> So we've been talking about belief. We've been talking about the Trinity, one God, three persons. We've been talking about the Holy Spirit, about Jesus, Son of God, judgment, justice, the church, communion of saints, forgiveness, heaven. That's today. And uh, these giant concepts that, that sometimes they're so big that, that unless you have a series like this, you might not even touch on them. It's just like... Hopefully you just keep reading your Bibles and eventually you'll get to that. And, and, uh, but this has forced us to tackle uh, concepts that we might not other, otherwise tackle. And uh, in the Bible, God's love letter to us, the good news, the hope of the gospel, 
God's rescue plan is this underlying thing that all of these big concepts fit into. And uh, so before I get going, I just need to pray. Jesus, Jesus, we invite you here. Um, to be completely honest, some of this stuff is overwhelming and, and we need your help. We need, uh, we need you to just kind of just meet us in the middle, just beyond the middle even. Just reach out to us and hold us tight as we, as we just try to, try to connect with you this morning. If there's anything we're supposed to get from you, Jesus, we just ask Jesus that you would that you just awaken our hearts to that. And uh, we cast our cares on you, all of our real life stuff that we have going on. We give it all to you. We lean into you, Jesus. Open our eyes to your goodness this morning. Amen. Amen. I love books, and so I always have to, show, I always have to point people toward books. Um, the way I look at books, as always, is, I, you know, you don't have to agree with everything in a book, but it's fun to have a book because it's like having a really smart person at the table as you're dialoguing and thinking through a concept. Um, this book is a beast, and I made it through two-thirds of the way, and then I was like, okay, got to skim the rest. And uh, what's really cool about this book is it's just like, it's an attempt for Christian, for a look at, it's in a look, it's a look, it's like this comprehensive look at heaven in, uh, in Christianity and uh, like how it's looked at in Christianity and uh, every, and it kind of repeats itself a lot because it's trying to be so thorough, but every time you're just about like, okay, I can't read this book anymore, there's like a C.S. Lewis quote. It just, it's like full of C.S. Lewis quotes, which is, I love Narnia, you know, I love that stuff. So that's cool. And then if you don't want to tackle that book, this one's, this one's really great. It's almost like he, in an attempt to make the kid's book, he, it forced him to just get to the point. So this is actually really good. And it's, it's the same book except for, for kids. And uh, this book, I, I've heard about this book. This book got a, like a lot of press a while back. Um, and it's by N.T. Wright, it's called Surprised by Hope. And it's a little bit controversial in places, but it attempts to not just look at, not just have an attempt of looking at, having a take on biblical interpretation and then just looking at all the passages in scripture. N.T. Wright, in addition to that, will look at how heaven is dealt with through Christian history. It's like all these different thinkers through Christian history have thought this, and so as we want to take that into consideration when we land somewhere. So that's really good. And then this is really practical. This is the way of life. It's experiencing the culture of heaven on earth. And this is kind of one of those books you could just like read two or three pages in the morning and, and just dwell on it a little bit. And it's just, it's about bringing the truth of heaven into our everyday life. So, you know, if you want to just read those for the next two years. That'd be great. <laughs> so heaven. The resurrection of the body and the life everlasting. So what's really cool about this, I think it's really great that this topic is last on the We Believe series because I really do believe that if we get like a holistic view of life after death, it's going to help us connect the dots. It's going gonna, 
it's going to give us a context for, for, for all these big ideas that we, that we have. God's rescue plan is about restoration and it's about redemption and all of everything we learn in Christianity points toward a rescue plan. It, point, it points toward God, um, God making things right, God making things new again. And it's not escapist. It's not, um, atom bomb is going to drop. We got a rocket ship out of here. Like, it's all going to blow. So we just got to, like, figure out a way to, 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 to escape. Instead... I would argue that Christianity, if you, if, you, if you look at the Christian Bible, if you start at the beginning and go all the way through, there's this message, there's this theme in the background that says the, that, that there is a rescue plan. The whole, the whole reason, the whole thing that God is up to is restoration. And in fact, your first fill in the blank is this, the physical world or realm is good. What? The physical world is good. That creation was not a mistake. That at the beginning, when God created all things, he looked at it and he said, this is good. The physical world is good. This, this physicalness, this solidness, this, the dirt on the ground, it's a good thing. And intuitively, my heart resonates with that. It's like, oh, I was made from dirt. And it's good for me to take off my, sh my shoes and my socks and to like walk on land. Like it just feels real. It, like it feels like, it feels like heaven. Hmm. Let's look in, uh, let's, let's look on your handout. We'll just read it right off the handout. I could, from, it's Paul in his letter to the Romans. Romans chapter eight, verse 19 through 20, 23 says this, for the creation waits, the creation, that's everything. That's not just human beings. In eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the one who subjected it that's talking about the fall. That's talking about us going out, uh, falling into sin in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into freedom and the glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. Now this is like one of those passages that's just like full of all this stuff. And it's all super important. And, but I want to focus on just a couple of things. All of creation, beginning of verse 21, liberated from its bondage, to decay. Uh, and the other thing I want to focus on is the redemption of our bodies. Like it sounds to me like the, like the, like the physical world is in fact good. It sounds to me that the, the plan isn't to just get rid of this of our physical bodies and just get on to like real spiritual stuff. 
And the plan isn't, isn't to just leave this world and, and, and let it blow. But in fact, it's that the gospel is good news. This is your next fill in the blank. For animals, hmm, plants, stars, planets. Oh, that God's rescue plan is about plants? Huh. And I get out my little like plant snap app and I'm like, what plant is that? Can't even figure it out. And I just try to, you know, and, uh, and people ask questions like, well, is my dog going to be with me in heaven? You know, it's like, I don't know. Like, how does this all work? Is God's rescue plan? And those can seem like, like childish questions, but those are real questions. Because underneath that question, like when someone says, well, I hope there's coffee in heaven because I need my coffee in the morning. That would be my wife <laughs> and me, of course. <laughs> and, we, and it's like, it's like, speaking of heaven, if we actually set up the coffee maker the night before and it actually starts on its own in the morning, it's like the beginning of all good things in the world. <laughs> and, but we, we do that about once a week and we go, isn't it amazing when we set that up the night before? And, uh, but underneath those questions, like, will there be coffee in heaven? What's the underlying question? It's like, this physical world that I love, is it going to be there? Like, like, is God going to take away what I love most in life to take me to some wispy place? And I would argue that no, no, that's not God's plan. God's rescue plan is bigger than just a rescue plan for humanity. It's bigger than that. And, it's, and because of that, it's better for us because we were meant for this physical world. We were meant for this, but, there's, but then in the middle of it, there's all this brokenness around it, right? The, 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 the physical world is wearing down. Sin has had sin and addiction and all the stuff that, that messes up our lives is all around us and we need help. Uh, but we need we need to be liberated from the bond, this bondage to decay. We, you know, if you want to use scientific language, it's like we need the, the second law of thermodynamics to be, to be reversed. We need to be turned on its head. We can't just have a world that's just running down, just running out. This passage also, also talks about, yes, there's, there, are, there, we, there is pain in this world, but it's, it's not just the pain of this world is going to end. It's the pain of childbirth. What is childbirth about? There's, some, there's hope. There's, there's an end in sight. I'm, I'm, not, uh, I'm not female, so some parts of this uh, metaphor I will never understand, but, I, but the little bit that I understand is that there's hope at the end. All of creation will pass through the fire of God's holiness, justice, love. If you look at 1 Corinthians 3, that's that passage where, where everything in our lives, the, all of creation passes through the fire and gold and silver and costly stones make it through, but wood, hay, and straw burn away. And then the difficult thing in my heart, which, is, which really just breaks my heart because I, I, I don't really, I, there's so many questions in my heart. Because when we talk about life after death, we're talking about real people, right? It's one thing to talk about, like, have, make arguments and have philosophical discussions. But when, you, when we're talking about life after death, we're talking about real people, aren't we? We're talking about real stuff. And so, you can't talk about the fire of God's justice, the fire of God's love without, start, without talking about hell. 
It's like, okay, did I just say that out loud? Did I just say hell? Hell is not one of those um, words I say out loud very much. Um, I could try to come up with uh, other ways of describing it. But, uh, but when I look at that, I have to look at places like 2 Peter 3, verse 9, that says God doesn't want anyone to perish. God wants everyone to come to repentance. But then Jesus talks about how there is such a thing as, as eternal fire. There is such thing as eternal punishment. In Matthew 25, he talks about there's a place for the devil and his angels. And, and uh, there might be a time when, when we reject God to such a point to where God, God looks at us and goes, your will be done. If you want to reject me, you have free will. You can, you can, you can live without me. And, uh, and I would never want that for you. I would never want for you to walk that way. But I want to hold you close. I have good things in store for you. And, but if, but if, you, if you want nothing to do, me, do with me, I, I will give you space. I will, I will let you attempt this life after death without me. And we could talk more about how that might look. But in Revelation, Revelation 21, verse 1, it talks about the first heaven and earth pass away. And then in the end, when all things are made right, there's a new heaven and a new earth. It's finally the culmination of our prayer where we say, your kingdom come, God, on earth as it is in heaven, in Matthew 6. And finally, there's this collision. And in somehow, in that, somehow God supernaturally takes the present heaven and the present earth and brings it together in a new heaven and new earth. And that we could talk more about how that somehow is going to happen. I don't know exactly. Uh, but that there will, heaven and earth will be together. It'll be a new place and there will be a bodily resurrection. We will literally have new physical bodies. And, uh, and, but and there are all these questions that come with that. Like, will we remember this life? Will we be able to recognize each other? Um, will, um, will my tattoos make it? Uh, like, or that one tattoo that I got that I wish I never would have gotten? Like, like will, that, will God just arbitrarily go, that tattoo wasn't that good. We'll just get rid of that one. <laughs> or, you know, like, like, how does it, like, how does that work? Like, how, how is it, how is this redemption process gonna, gonna happen? I was, uh, I, I was, I had a chance to go to the Abbey of St. Walburga in, uh, in, um, Colorado, like last week or like 10 days ago, we were in Colorado and, and grandma and grandpa had the kids. And so I had about a day and a half where I could just imagine anything I wanted to do. I'm a stay at home dad and I'm with my kids all the time. I homeschool them. It's, it's most of the time. It's one of the coolest things ever. And, uh, and sometimes I'm just grouchy, <laughs> but, uh, um, I had this, I had about a day and a half where I could just imagine anything I wanted to do. And I have this dorky streak where I kind of love like monastic settings. So I went and found this place called where the nuns raise cattle or whatever. And in Northern Colorado, it's, it's out by the border. It's the middle of nowhere. Like, I mean, it's, it's only 35 minutes from Fort Collins, but it feels like the middle of nowhere. And, uh, I'm out there and they, and I love singing. Not everybody loves singing, 
but I love singing. And they, they sing through the entire book of Psalms every week. Like, so that means every day, you know, there are church services. So when I'm there, I'm like reading my book in my little corner. And then I go to another church service. They're short. They're like 25 minutes long or so. And some of them are like an hour and a half. But, but uh, and then I go back to my little corner and I read my book. And then I go back to the church service and... I go for a little walk and then I go back to a church service. And, you know, so, so like for them to get through the entire book of Psalms in a week, they're doing what, like 17 chapters of the Psalms, something like that. Cause there's 150 chapters. I don't know what they do when they got to do someone, Psalm 119, that really long one. But, uh, um, and I love it and I like singing, but after about a day and a half, I'm like, man, I want to go ride a bike. I sure would like to shovel some dirt. I am so tired of reading my book about heaven. Uh, I would like to swim in a lake. I would like to embrace my wife. Like, I would like to, I think I'm tired of singing the Psalms. And, but if I, and I love singing. Like, what do people do who don't like singing? You know, like, who don't like music? And I love don't tell anyone, but I actually love church services. Like I was like, I was kind of grew up that way. I was like, that kid likes church. I don't know what his problem is. Uh, and I kind of, I kind of grew up that way. But after a day and a half, there's something in me that goes, oh, it, well, if this is what heaven's like, how am I going to make it? You know, like, uh, but then when you really look at, at heaven in scripture, it's like, oh wait, worship is is vast. Worship is all things that's done unto the Lord. Worship is your work. Worship is learning new things. Uh, so worship is bigger than singing the Psalms as much as I love the Psalms. Desire is good. That's your next fill in the blank. Desire is good when it does not hinder God's love. Desire, because a part of me, and, and this is really a distinctive of Christianity, um, in, a, in, a, in some religions, uh, a big component is, is getting away from desire, like to relinquish desire. But it's really a distinctive of Christianity that desire is actually good. These, that deep down inside, the longing of your heart, the dream of your heart, the thing you want most, God, God actually wants you to go after that, that God wants, that, that God, uh, that now, yes, the, the sin in this world has, has tainted our desire. It's misdirected it, but down underneath, down somewhere inside there is God, God's original intention for desire. And so we, we, I love to like, to just interact with God with this. Um, I was challenged by, uh, this book, uh, Bill Johnson talks about, he says he has this list that he does not show anyone because it's so immature and it's so, it'd be embarrassing for anybody to see it. But it's like anything he just sees and goes, that's cool. I sure would wish I, sure wish I could have that someday. Like he actually writes it down because he wants to like get used to like not just pushing desire down, like not just like 
like rejecting desire, not just rejecting this thing in his heart. And yes, God is going to have to refine that. Yeah, I'm sure he writes some stuff down sometimes that is completely immature and needs to grow out of, right? Maybe not. Like maybe, maybe God loves our childlike desire. Maybe God sees some little piece of the puzzle that you don't see. I grew up so immersed in Jesus stuff that when I got into my early 20s, I had this secret prayer um, that I was praying to God. And it was, God, I'm such a, like, goody-two-shoes kid. Like, I did, like, all the right stuff. I need some, like, Johnny Cash grit. Like, I need some, like, like, ring of fire. Like, and, and what's so amazing is, uh, is God and his wisdom gave that to me. I, I had this chance in my early to mid-20s. I joined with my, uh, my youth pastor at the time, who was a guitar guy, and, uh, and a couple of other friends. Who, uh, and then they said, Sven, you're crazy enough. You don't really play a musical instrument, but we'll just let you be the front man. You just, you just sing and jump up and down. And this was like... This was like during the era where like, you know, rap rock, you know, like the year 2000. So, I mean, and so I was like, no way I get to be in the band, you know? And, uh, and for eight years, we just played in these like dingy clubs and bars and dealt with all kinds of just that life. Right. And which I knew nothing about. Right. I was just like this, like, just, you know, who I was. And the desire of my heart was, God, I just want like, I don't want to mess up my life by making bad decisions or whatever, but I just, I just need to not be this homogenized thing that I am. I, and, and I just, and God gave that to me. God gave me those experiences, God. And, and, and it was so good for my heart because again and again, I just felt surprised by God's goodness. I was like, oh, Jesus, you love the desire of my heart. You see what, my, you see what I need. You see, you see what I long for. What if our hope, our hope for life everlasting, our hope in Jesus, what if it began to permeate every bit of our life now? See, this is the, this is the cool part. So not only is there good news in Jesus in the end, not only do we have something to look forward to, but at the resurrection, when Jesus was resurrected from the dead on Easter Sunday, the first Easter Sunday, Jesus came back to life and became the first, like the first part of the whole Thing, like the first part of the whole new thing happening. And have you ever like worked really hard on something and then like it, it went nowhere? Like you tried to like bring change to something or you tried to like, or, or you just have a good idea for your family. It's like from this day forward, we will take our gummy vitamin C's in the morning you know, whatever it is. And, uh, and then it just, nothing comes of it. It just doesn't work. What if every action, not just the ones that lead to 
amazing change. But every positive action counts. I mean, we know that, that the way we surrender, that the, the way we accept Jesus is it's just surrender. It's just like Jesus. Salvation is about receiving the gift. It's like Jesus, just I receive you. I just, it's nothing, it's nothing we can do, right? But then there's this whole other part of living, of serving Jesus where, where we actually do stuff, right? Where we actually get ideas from God and then we step out and we do it. And what I really believe is that every action, everything, every beautiful thing, it all makes it through. It all matters in the end. It all goes to the new heaven and new earth. That every good thing that somehow in God's economy, somehow with the way God works, suddenly every, every piece of it matters. Suddenly the stuff in your life that, that where you made a step forward and no one ever saw it, suddenly it matters. And I think that's good. Resurrection is restoration. That's your next fill in the blank. God is the ultimate salvage artist. God loves to take stuff that we think is no good anymore and say, huh, look what I can make out of it. God loves to take even your worst decisions and go, huh, look at this beautiful thing I can make out of that. Have you guys ever been down to Bo Edison and like there, what is it? The, the dumpster, there's like the art place called like the dumpster something. The lucky dumpster. And if you talk to people down in Bo Edison, like uh, about the guy, like there's this awesome, like skinny musician artist dude that sits in there at the lucky dumpster and he'll tell you some awesome stories. He's the guy. But if you ask other people in that town, what do you know about the, like the lucky dumpster guy? And you'll get the greatest stories about, oh yeah, he came over and he took all this old farm wood and made this facade for our store for free. He's just a nice guy, you know, like, it, so regionally, if I was to say who is the ultimate, uh, the ultimate salvage artist, I would be, it's the lucky dumpster guy in Bo Edison, right? But Jesus takes this thing to a whole nother scale. Jesus has this way of salvaging everything and going, I, if I could make it happen, if I could get all of creation to somehow point towards me, I could get it through the fire of my justice. If I could somehow, if I could somehow just get every bit of creation to say yes, to receive my free gift, I could get it through the, the, the fire of my holiness and my love. I just, I want everything to make it through. I'm the ultimate salvage artist. I'm the ultimate... <clears throat> Recycler. I'm the ultimate, um, I'm, whatever word you want to use, regenerate, uh, all those re-words that are so good. And so for me, uh, I just start to go, okay, where do I start? How can I begin to live this? Um, if, if I'm completely honest, yeah, I thought, I, when I used to think about heaven, I thought I'm probably going to be bored. But now I realize just dialoguing on this issue the last month and a half, I don't think I'm going to be bored. I think, I think God, everything that we know to be true about God, God will continue to be. God will continue to, to create. God will invite us into, into his creative plan. God will invite us. Uh, maybe, what if, what if we even got a chance to like 
to go, those, some of those things we never, we always wish we could have done. Some of those things we wish we could have learned. Uh, some of those projects we wish we could have done. That, that Jesus would give us the opportunity, turn, opportunity to do that. And I have a certain cynicism inside me where, where a certain pessimism, and I go, and I, and I just, I want that to turn into trust. That's your last fill in the blank. Creator God can turn our cynicism into trust. And when, uh, and today, a uh, worship band can come up. Um, today we're gonna, we're gonna take communion. We're gonna, we're going to, to uh, take the bread and the cup and we're gonna, we're gonna remember what Jesus did on the cross. Remember his resurrection. Remember what Jesus did and and remember, and then look ahead. So we're not just remembering, we're looking to the future and saying, one day, Jesus, you will make all things right. One day, you will, you will restore all things. One day, you will make good of impossible situations. So I just want to pray that. And then during the first song, uh, our, our ushers are going to come up, and they're and they're going to ha- they're going to have the the bread or the crackers and the cup, and we're go- we're going to to take communion. And as you do, just we we just we look back, but then we look ahead. We look at Jesus. Would you one day regenerate? Would you one day re- resurrect our physical bodies? Would you would you do good in the end? Let's pray.